0: Much have I spoken of the faded leaf. Long have I listened to the wailing wind, and watched it ploughing through the heavy clouds, for autumn charms my melancholy mind. When autumn comes, the poets sing a dirge. The year must perish, all the flowers are dead. The sheaves are gathered, and the mottled quail runs in the stubble, but the lark has fled. Still, Autumn ushers in the Christmas cheer, the holly berries and the ivy tree. They weave a chaplet for the old year's beer. These waiting mourners do not sing for me. I find sweet peace in depths of autumn woods, where grow the ragged ferns and roughened moss. The naked, silent trees have taught me this. The loss of beauty is not always loss.
1: Welcome to Season by Season with Alexis and Kit, the podcast that celebrates and reforges our connection to nature and the passage of time. It is our hope that through prose, poetry, history, and sound, this podcast will help to inspire your interest in the natural world around us.
2: Together, Kit and I will be sharing observations of the seasons as we see them. We'll be looking through the lens of the 24 seasonal divisions, or mini-seasons as we like to call them, based on the progression of seasons in the traditional
1: Japanese calendar. Now is the season of the beginning of winter, or Rito. Spanning from November 7th to 21st, our autumn journey is coming to a close during this quieting month. The water begins to freeze, The earth begins to harden, and the camellias begin their blooms. The
2: beginning of winter is preceded by the mini-season First Frost, and followed by Little Snow. The beginning of winter is the decline of the autumn season. November is a lavender serenade, as we bid goodbye
1: to autumn. As in every season. There's lots to explore, in the sky, in the ground, in the water, and in our lives, as we begin our passage into this special period. Who knows what we will discover between the bare branches and raindrops? Let's set out.
2: We ended our last episode with an autumnal feast laid before us. A riotous display of apples, sweet potatoes, pumpkins, pomegranates, and even chrysanthemums. Many of these autumn treasures will last us straight through the winter. These flavors will comfort and guide us on the cold days ahead.
1: Colder and darker days are in the forecast, aren't they? The weather won't be steadily warm until next spring, and until the winter solstice, our days will be growing shorter and shorter. This isn't necessarily a bad thing,
2: though. To everything, there is a season. And this is what we
1: celebrate on this podcast, isn't it? One nice effect of darker and colder days is that this is a great time of year for stargazing. The clear air helps the stars appear to be at their brightest. In this season, we can look forward to the Leonid meteor shower, which is expected to peak in North America around November 16th, Ah, the leonids. That's the meteor
2: shower known for producing meteor storms, when thousands of meteors could be
1: seen every hour. That's right. In fact, in November 1833, the leonid meteors appeared with such ferocity over North America that some witnesses thought it signaled the end of the world. The end of the world? Hmm. The sky was so bright with meteors that it woke people up. It was just meteors, of course, but that's the meteor storm that is credited with beginning modern meteor astronomy. The Leonid meteor shower this year likely won't have anything approaching enough meteors to qualify as a meteor storm. But it's still a nice reason to look to the stars this month. A shooting star unable to use up the length of the vast sky. Then again, even with all those beautiful stars, the longer nights and colder days mean that I'll be wanting to spend most of my time indoors. Personally,
2: one of the things I love around this time of year is the opportunity it gives me for reflection and turning inward for growth and self-improvement.
1: It's true, I love getting a lot of reading in during these colder months.
2: And it's also nice to feel a change in our appetites around this time of year. For example, once the weather gets cold, I definitely begin to crave ramen. Salty, brothy, starchy ramen begins to sound even more delicious once the weather has turned. There's nothing like coming in from out of the cold and your face gently steaming over the
1: hot brothy bowl. Ramen is a great kigo, or seasonal word, for you then, for this mini season. Definitely, starting in this season
2: and lasting all winter long. And you know, there's a ramen for everyone. I tend to prefer the more simple shio, or salt flavored broths, but others may prefer the more decadent broths, like tonkotsu, made with pork bones.
1: Mmm, I love tonkotsu ramen. Did you know that there are 19 official regional ramen styles recognized by Japan's ramen museum? Including Sapporo, Tokyo, Ogikubo, Kyoto, and Sano. Each style has its own unique ingredients and techniques.
2: Only 19? I'd have thought that there were more, given how many ramen shops there are in Japan. You know, one of the things I especially love about ramen shops is their homey feel. I suppose this is because over 80% of ramen shops in Japan are small businesses and have their own unique flair. There's something very charming about the Red Lantern ramen shops tucked away in alleyways or located next to a train station.
1: These brothy interludes inspire a few poems.
3: Slurping ramen in Kitakata, the north wind blows.
4: After a climb to the mountaintop, a ramen shop.
5: A jumbo serving of clams for my ramen. The cold rain pelts.
2: In the original Japanese of this last haiku, the word shigure is used to describe the rain. Shigure is a very particular form of strong passing rain found during this late autumn early winter season. To share with us more about just what shigure is, let's take time for Hiro's Corner.
6: Shigure. The kigo, seasonal word, for this session is shigure, which means occasional rain or passing showers. Although being a kigo, it is not any occasional rain or any shower. In haiku, it refers to the rain or shower of a certain season of the year. The other day I was telling Saito Masaya in Tokyo that the kigo, seasonal words that season by season features, are largely based on the Chinese 24 seasonal divisions of the year, if not the further divisions of 72. Masaya responded by observing that those seasonal divisions may be applicable as far as Tokyo at best, but not further north. His hometown is in Nikita, at the northern end of Honshu, and on the Japan seaside, which makes it part of the Japan snow country. Masaya's response to Kigo reminded me that the idea of seasonal words was originally conceived in Kyoto, which was Japan's cultural center, at least until the 17th century. And then that cultural center gradually shifted east to Edo, which is now today's Tokyo. Let's go back to our Kigo today. Shigure, passing rain. It did not originally point to a specific season, but gradually settled to mean one of the uh, indicators of the 9th or 10th month by the lunar calendar, in the end becoming Shigurezuki, one of the dozen names of the 10th month. The 10th month is the first month of the winter by the lunar calendar. The Renga master Satomura Joha, who lived from 1525 to 1602, wrote in one of his books on Renga rules and definitions. Even in the winter, too, there are long rains, but the true meaning of Shigure is the shower that passes after a while, then the sky clears up, so you wish to have some sound of another shower on the eaves of your wooden board shack or the roof of your hut thatched with bare bamboo leaves. A hundred years later, Kitamura Keegan, who lived from 1625 to 1705, suggested Shigure is a sky that isn't settled. When you think it's clear, It turns cloudy, and when you think it's raining, it switches away, it seems. This explains why the Chinese characters applied to it mean occasional rain or intermittent rain. Then Saito Masaya remembered to tell me that Japan's first folklorist or ethnologist Yanagita Kunio, who lived from 1875 to 1962, had written on Shigure. In essence, Yanagita wrote something like this. Once I had occasion to stay in Kyoto from winter to spring, then I realized that Shigure rain in Kyoto came and went for three or four minutes, repeatedly, loudly, early evening or near daybreak. If this happened on the plain in the east, it would be regarded as hail or hailstones. But the Japanese poets, uh, though those who never visited Kyoto, described their own rain as if it was a Shigure in a small basin was as if they'd felt they'd be breaking an agreement with nature if they described their own rainfalls just as they were. During Japan's Middle Ages, the transience, or impermanence of things, became almost an fix, And that readily went well with Shigure, passing, transient, uncertain. The most famous Shigure hoku was written by the Renga master Iyo Sogi, who lived from 1421 to 1502. Passing this world, more shower over this lodge. As happens with early hoku or haiku, this one uses puns. Furu means pass and fall, especially showers fall. Sarani in addition and more. Also yadori, lodge, suggests something temporary. Kana adds a sense of lamentation or surprise. 200 years later Basho who lived from 1644 to 1694 wrote first shower even the monkey seems to want a small straw raincoat meanwhile nun Shokyu who lived from 1714 to 1781 wrote the following hoku she attempted to trace the route that Basho had traveled in his famous narrow road into the interior leaving the roof of the great Buddha showered. Shokyu's almost exact contemporary, Busan, who lived from 1716 to 1784, wrote, the shower wets the camphor wood root quietly. I hope that during this November season you have a chance to experience a Shigure or two. There's nothing quite like the excitement they bring as you hop under eaves amid sun and clouds.
2: Looking out the kitchen window, we too are experiencing November rain. However, it doesn't seem to be quite like the sudden Shigure. It seems a bit more drizzly and drear.
4: This scenery reminds me of this poem. A cold gray day, a lowering sky, a lonesome pigeon wheeling by, the soft blue smoke that hangs and fades, the shivering crane that flaps and wades, Dead leaves that, whispering, quit their tree. The peace the river sings to me. The chill aloofness of the fall. I love it all.
1: I like that poem. It ends with a bit of a twist. At first, you think that it is bemoaning gray autumn. Yet at the very end, there is suddenly this spark of joy and delight.
2: Yes, It kind of reminds me of a November scene, where everything seems to have a lavender-brown hue to it. When all of a sudden, you see a bright crimson tree aglow with color. Autumn may be ending, but it's not quite over. The joyful bursts of color will continue with
1: us for some time now. And you know, sometimes in the rain, the trees and scenery look even more vibrant and beautiful. Here are a few haiku about autumn rain.
3: Today too, today too.
5: Autumn rain, mountainside house.
3: Cold winter shower. See all the people running across the Seta Bridge.
4: The scarlet leaves serve as armor for the mountain against the rain.
2: This last haiku reminds me of a quote from Sir Walter Scott. November's sky is chill and drear, November's leaf is red and sear. There is still quite a bit of autumn foliage yet to go, especially where you live, Kit. I
1: bet it's probably just getting started. Actually, you would be surprised. The Bay Area might not see the same vibrant reds and yellows that you see on the East Coast. Our weather's not quite cool enough for that. But as the days get shorter, the leaves have been getting browner. As a matter of fact, the trees outside my kitchen window at home, which only a month ago had colors of orange and toast, are now almost totally bare. The ground is covered with those fallen leaves. Oh, I see.
2: Well, fallen leaves is another Kiko for this time of year, adding to the landscape their own brushstrokes of color before gray winter sets in.
1: Leaves that have left their branches blowing away in the wind always seem a little bit lonely to me. Listen. With faint, dry sound, like steps of passing ghosts, the leaves, frost-crisped, break free from the trees and fall.
2: Leaves that had fallen have their own word in Japanese, ochiba. Naturally, fallen leaves feature in many haiku.
1: The wind has brought enough to build a fire. Fallen leaves.
4: Fallen leaves. Not a single crow is irksome.
3: The gods are absent. Everything is desolate among the fallen leaves.
1: Wait a minute, did that last haiku really mean the gods are absent? What a gloomy thought!
2: Well, yes, but it's actually not as gloomy as you might think. In the old Japanese calendar, the month that is now November used to be known as Kaminazuki. That is, the month without gods. You see, after the harvest was finished and the gods had done their duties, they felt they deserved a bit of a vacation. So, they just left? Where did they go? According to legend, they all went to Izumo. There's a shrine where they would spend the month celebrating. So, in Izumo only, the month was actually called Kami
1: Arizuki, the month when the gods are here. Wow. So, the gods are on vacation, huh? Maybe that explains a few things. But don't worry, Kit. They'll come back at the end of the month. That's a relief.
3: In the godless month, I wake at night and listen to what gives voice to a storm on this hillside. The sound of falling leaves.
1: Meanwhile, while some trees here may already have bare branches, other leaves hang on for a while longer.
2: That's right. In Japan, this time of year is characterized by the bright, sunny hues of the ginkgo tree. You often see them planted in rows along boulevards or in parks. Meiji Jingu or Yoyogi in Tokyo are well known
1: for their ginkgo trees. Ginkgo trees are called Icho in Japanese. In English, we use an incorrect version of the Romanized Chinese reading of the Japanese word. Ginkgo uses two kanji, silver, gin, and kyo is apricot. Ginkgos are the only living species in the division Ginkgophyta; all others being extinct. It is a very old species with some fossils dating back 270 million years. They are quite unlike any other tree.
2: Yes, Ginkgos are known as a living fossil and are incredibly resilient. Ginkgo trees one to two kilometers away from the nucleus of the atomic bomb explosion in Hiroshima survived the blast and are
1: alive to this day. It's amazing how resilient nature is. Let's be sure to enjoy these golden days that we have with the ginkgo, because another unusual thing about ginkgos is that their leaves fall all at once. This phenomena is noted in this poem by Howard Nemirov.
3: Late in November, on a single night, not even near to freezing, the ginkgo trees that stand along the walk drop all their leaves. In one consent, and neither to rain nor to wind, but as though to time alone. The golden and green leaves litter the lawn today that yesterday had spread aloft their fluttering fans of light. What signal from the stars? What senses took it in? What in those wooden motives so decided to strike their leaves, to down their leaves? Rebellion? Or surrender? And if this can happen thus, What race shall be exempt? What use to learn the lessons taught by time? If a star at any time may tell us now.
2: A less known aspect of the ginkgo tree,
1: especially here in the West, are the nuts of the ginkgo. Oh, you don't mean they're smelly fruits, do you? I have to say, ginkgo fruits do not have the most
2: pleasant of smells. Sort of. The ginkgo nut is the seed to the ginkgo tree. Unfortunately, you have to extract the seed from the flesh of the fruit. A very smelly job. But ginkgo nuts themselves taste nothing like the flesh and are quite tasty. You can microwave them briefly and
1: they are good to eat. Yes, I've seen them before. Even though it's a seed, it's not anything like we'd expect with a sunflower or a walnut. You crack open the seed coating and eat the inside, which is a bright lime green and has the texture of a gummy.
2: I will admit, it's an acquired
1: taste, but you
2: get used to it. Here in New York City, you often see older ladies and men gathering the ginkgo fruits to take home to process the nuts.
1: There's another fruit of the season I want to talk about. In Japan, in November, I remember walking by houses that would have long strings of orange bulbs hanging in the window. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yes, of course. Those are persimmons, hung
2: up to dry. In Japanese, persimmons are known as kaki, and the dried versions are called hoshigaki. I have memories of driving by old houses with them hanging from the eaves, almost like holiday decorations.
3: Three shadows from persimmons on a stick
5: on the paper door.
1: Hoshigaki are quite lovely, but you know the tree itself is also very festive too. Their leaves turn beautiful shades of red and orange in autumn. But to me, the really special thing about persimmons is how they stay on the tree like ornaments deep into autumn and winter.
4: One persimmon droops listlessly. Winter rain.
5: On the high branch, one astringent persimmon like old time.
3: Write me down as the one who loved persimmons.
1: Another autumn food that is very of this season, or shun in Japanese, is the fish known as sanma. The kanji for the word sanma literally means autumn swordfish. These fish are a great example of sustainable
2: fishing practices, of which the world, and Japan in particular, definitely needs more of. The autumn swordfish are one of the only species sold in Japan that is entirely caught in local waters. Around this time of year, their
1: migration
2: begins.
1: Yes, we tend to think of winged migrations during this time of year, but underwater, an entirely different type of migration is taking place. Every year, these fish migrate south from Hokkaido.
4: Migrating down through northern seas, says the report. Time to buy Sanma. A gift from the north. Grilled Sanma.
2: Speaking of aquatic edible Kigo, that reminds me of another delicacy of the upcoming winter months. Snow
1: crab, or Zuwaigani. Oh yes. In Japan, snow crabs are only available around this time of year. They're found in the deepest and coldest parts of the Sea of Japan. Snow crab fishing is limited to only a few months to conserve the crab resources.
5: Snow crabs, together to Fukui on a winter trip.
2: As this haiku by Dike hints, Fukui is known for its snow crabs, Located on the coast of the Sea of Japan, Fukui is where the famous Echizen Gani snow crabs are caught. These are specifically male snow crabs that have decadent, sweet-flavored flesh.
1: These crabs are known locally as the King of Winter, a winter flavor with that natural sweetness blended with a delectable umami. That
2: rich, crabby flavor is why snow crabs are often served very simply They're a luxurious ingredient that can be enjoyed on their own.
1: Talking about these winter flavors is really making me hungry. Alexis, do you have any favorite recipes you enjoy making at this time of year?
2: Hmm. Well, I will say one thing I look forward to as the weather gets colder is warming soups and stews. I mentioned ramen already, but things like lentil soup or chicken lemon soup.
1: Ooh, yes. Soups can just be so comforting on a chilly night.
2: As the weather gets colder, our appetites get heartier and heartier.
1: Yes, and what lovelier defense do we have against the ravages of cold weather than a robust soup? As Judith Martin, the famed Miss Manners, once wrote,
4: Do you have a kinder, more adaptable friend in the food world than soup? Who soothes you when you are ill?
2: Who refuses to leave you when you are impoverished and stretches its resources to give a hearty sustenance and cheer? Who warms you in the winter and cools you in the summer? Yet who also is capable of doing honor to your richest table and impressing your most demanding guests? Soup does its loyal best no matter what undignified conditions are imposed upon it. You don't catch steak hanging around when you're poor and sick, do you? What a delicious sentiment. Maybe we could apply that to ramen, too?
1: I don't know about you, but I find myself spending a lot more time in the kitchen lately. Are you practicing your cooking skills in preparation for Thanksgiving? Not just that, but I find the kitchen a very comforting place to be as fall comes to an end. Where I live, the summer and even into the early autumn can get really hot, and it's uncomfortable to do much cooking. Now, it's not too hot to cook, and I've returned to the kitchen. The oven and the stove are my old friends waiting to greet me again. Cooking soups and baking pies are my late autumnal hobbies. You know, it's
2: true. There's something wholesome about an autumn kitchen— Listeners, if you love spending time in your kitchen too, send us some of your favorite recipes, and we'll share them to our Facebook page.
1: Thanksgiving here in the United States actually falls in the next mini-season, Little Snow, so there's still time to prepare your recipes. Meanwhile, there are many other important holidays happening around the world. In particular, I want to talk about Diwali, or Deepavali, the Festival of Lights,
2: Diwali is celebrated for five days during the Hindu lunisolar month of Kartika. The third day of the festival takes place on the darkest day of the month, the day of the new moon.
1: This year, 2020, that's November 14th. Each day of Diwali has a different meaning and a different way of celebrating. It's the largest festival in India and the most widely celebrated. The height of the festival is the third day, from which Diwali takes its name. On this day, earthen lamps are lit all around the home and fireworks are lit off. The festival
2: is symbolic of the triumph of light over darkness, and it's also a family-oriented festival. It's celebrated a little differently from region to region, but wherever you go during Diwali, expect a celebration full of joy
1: and warmth. It seems like wherever you are in the world, This time of year is a time to enjoy family gatherings and the comforts of home.
5: Light, my light, the world-filling light, the eye-kissing light, heart-sweetening light. Ah, the light dances, my darling, at the center of my life. The light strikes, my darling, The chords of my love? The sky opens, the wind runs wild, laughter passes over the earth. The butterflies spread their sails on the sea of light. Lilies and jasmines surge up on the crest of the waves of light. The light is shattered into gold on every cloud, my darling, and it scatters gems in profusion. Mirth spreads from leaf to leaf, my darling, and gladness without measure. The heaven's river has drowned its banks, and the flood of joy is abroad.
2: What a brisk journey this episode has been. Thank you for joining us as we explored what is happening in the sky, the earth, the water, and our lives during the season of the beginning of winter.
1: As the British poet Edith Sitwell once said, winter is the time for comfort, for good food and warmth, for the touch of a friendly hand, and for a talk beside the fire. It is time for home.
2: In the season ahead, we're wishing you all the best
1: comforts of home. In this episode, some of the seasonal words or kigo we explored are ramen, shigure, drizzling rain, cold weather, bare trees, fallen leaves, ginkgo trees, persimmons, sanma, snow crab, hearty soups, and Diwali, the festival of lights. What
2: are some other words you associate with this season? If you'd like to share, Email nourishingjapan at gmail.com and we'll post your seasonal words to our Facebook
1: group. We'd like to extend a special thanks once again to Hiroaki Sato for his contribution segment, Hiro's Corner, narrated in this episode by Ed von Atterkass. We would also like to thank Mara Rosenkrantz, Gail Wine, Alexander Michelson, Stuart Diamond, Josh Whitaker, Bernabe Ted Costalas, Jessica Lauren, Irina Miles, Jamie Catalano, Jason Berner, and Lynn Hickman. The works featured in this podcast
2: are in the public domain. This episode, you heard poems and prose by Elizabeth Stoddard, Shugyo Takaha, Takasawa Yoichi, Akabane Toshiko, Isa, Josa, Chobane, Adelaide Crapsy, Basho, Monk Noin, Howard Nemiroff, Hayu Toyama no Kanto, Chris Mathlos, Rike, and Rabindroth
1: Tagore. And in case you missed it, we've launched the Season by Season companion playlist on Spotify. Our playlists bring the spirit and sound of our 24 mini-seasons to enjoy all season long. From classical guitar to jazz to lo-fi beats, this playlist will delight and surprise you. Just search for Season by Season Podcast on Spotify, or visit our website.
2: To quote our old friend, Henry David Thoreau, The thinnest yellow light of November is more warming and exhilarating than any wine they tell of. May your November be full
1: of light. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode, as winter truly begins to take hold.
2: See you in another season.